Welcome to Hitachi Solutions Podcast. Join us as we talk with our skilled professionals and experts, exploring how customers like you are delivering business outcomes, tackling business challenges, and accelerating their business initiatives, leveraging Microsoft applications and technologies. Welcome to Exchanges with Hitachi Solutions, where we discuss all things people, process, and technology related for organizations navigating the wonderful world of modern transformation. So I'm Laurel Gressler, and usually I'm behind the scenes at Exchanges, but today for our season finale, I'm here with Dave Horstein. Hi, Dave. Hey, Laurel. And if I can say I'm incredibly uh, happy to actually have you on for this episode. We've been working together for I don't even know how many months now uh, to bring this vision to a reality. And uh, it's about time we get you in here in, in front of the audience uh, to share some of the things that you know. How fun is that? The, the, <laughs> the long and short of it. So I, let's talk about why exchanges came to be and how. I think that's important as we reflect. We we have 19 episodes in the bag, and um, which we've been delivering to you know whoever's listening. And we have heard some great feedback so far, which I found was really interesting um, from people out in the universe who are finding more out about Hitachi Solutions, but also how to navigate their own organizational challenges. So. Um, you and I started talking about exchanges because why? Yeah, I I know a long time ago, a long time, relatively speaking, being probably about a year ago, uh, we we started trying to think internally, how can we bring about uh, and share all of the things that we're learning and doing on our engagements with our clients? We have some really rich experience working with leadership teams, line level employees, working on projects, working on strategic plans, working on organizational change, uh, human centered design and so forth. All of these things that we we do a lot of um, day to day, but we're not able to really get the lessons we're learning out to a broader audience, uh, or at least we weren't able to. And so our goal in standing up exchanges was really to be able to share these experiences with the world and and find ways that we can help organizations beyond the reach of our day-to-day projects Um, and it seems like it's landing Um, as you've shared with me we're getting listeners are are coming across our podcast which was never an intention that that i had i always assumed we would use this as a tool to help um, a lot of existing clients and those that um, that would see us on things like on places like LinkedIn or, or other social media outlets. But to know yeah. that there are people out there just kind of stumbling upon, upon the pod, podcast um, organically, that that's kind of exciting to me. It is. And, you know, not only has exchanges, we, we did this to augment conversations we're already having. But what I found in listening to all the experts who came on through the season, which we're going to talk about today, is kind of review which episodes landed the most with people and maybe discuss a little bit about why. But also throughout the past year, listening to the experts within our organization's speak to each other and integrate their practice expertise was like a walking into a living lab and it and 
watching everything get unpacked in real time through a conversation, which I think maybe is really easy to listen to and absorb and have takeaways. It's like listening to a good song. Heard this great song. It made me think about whatever I'm going through in my organization. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, that's spot on. I haven't even thought about that analogy before, but that's a really good one. And so I, I think you're onto something there, though, Laurel. I, the the way we've pulled in experts from across the organization. When when we're talking with clients, it's often there's a, a couple of us that kind of play point in the day to day. Right. Um, through through these engagements, through these podcasts, we've been able to open up um, experts within Hitachi Solutions to to existing clients. Uh, and I shared with you last last week or the week before that uh, I was having dinner with a client and she had mentioned, I learned more about your organization through the podcast uh, than I have in the past four or five months working with you. And it's true, really. Uh, That's when, amazing. When she, people, yeah, they're able to listen and really um, hear from different experts. Maybe we're not specifically focusing on a certain part of an organization. And so we haven't had the need to bring um, those teams in. But when, when we're able to open up, um, you know, those doors, for our clients so that they can hear, hey, there, there's this whole additional world of value that we haven't even talked about yet uh, and put it in the format of a podcast, which is usually uh, pretty easy to digest, uh, just opens up new possibilities for uh, our clients and, and other organizations. Yeah. So we thought we'd take this pending holiday season and recap some of the most popular episodes in season one for listeners who may have caught one or two, but not all of them. And then also, you know, reaching out uh, to a wider net and see if we can get, bring some new people on board in their off time uh, when they have a little bit more time to listen. So one of our most popular, we, we really hit a lot of common chords in episode four on how organizations are navigating their return to the office model and what works for them. Why did this resonate with folks, do you think? Yeah, we so we brought that one out at a time that a lot of organizations were, were just trying to figure this out. Um, we, a lot of restrictions were lifting. Uh, people were were becoming more comfortable getting out in public, uh, going to the office. And we were having a lot of these conversations with our clients, in some cases, even helping them with their re return to the office strategy. And I think be because of that timing and because there were so many questions, how do you do this effectively? What's the right mix? How do we pull technology into it to make sure we're not creating first and second class uh, citizens, if you will, uh, it, at the workplace, there was just so much ambiguity at the time that I think people were looking for answers and going back to the why um, around exchanges. Um, we're having these conversations. We may as well get it out there and help as many people as we can. And so I think it was that the mix of of timing, it was it was the right time and people were just looking for some guidance. What are other organizations doing? And we were able to, to highlight those conversations in that episode. Yeah, well, the premise still stands, right? I mean, we're about, I oh, mean, definitely. I think this this conversation started more than a year ago for return to the office, but folks are still navigating their return to the office model and what works, finding all kinds of ins and outs, pros and cons about their old model, 
where they see themselves now and where they're going. Is there a common thread for enterprises or does it just depend on the individual business? Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to try to answer that question as directly as I can, but my my short answer is it it depends. Yeah. Um, the reason I say that is what I'm seeing across different industries is that there there's very much an approach generally being taken by industry, and I'm usually an advocate for the opposite. Um, where to me, being in consult in consulting, you know, it's been 15 years or so a lot of organizations face the same problems and they think because they're industry specific, um, everything has to be unique to their organization or their industry. And often cases, that's not the case. Um, but but for return to the office, what I'm seeing particularly in manufacturing is a very strong urge to get the knowledge workers back in. Um, I was actually I speaking with a, yeah. Um, last week I had a conversation with a CFO and a COO and what I heard from them is it feels like the couple of years they've spent in a remote first world has impacted their culture negatively and has yeah. actually built up silos across their departments. And so they're making a push in the coming year uh, to start getting people more comfortable with coming in. And it's not it's not necessarily comfort level with um, COVID or exposure to COVID. It's more of a comfort level with um, shifting Routine. the way we work exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now I've got to, you know, get my kids to school, commute to the office, uh, work all day, and then I have that hour or half hour back home. Um, it's changing people's worlds once again, um, and it's tough. I, I think um, actually I can think of three manufacturing clients in the this year that have told me they're they're planning on um, moving their knowledge workers back to the office because of those reasons, because they felt like it was hurting their culture. Um, and now we've got, you know, I've, I've got a financial services client that we've been helping with their return to the office program, and they're taking it a little bit slower and making sure we're, they're, they're intentional. What are the models um, that, that each of their teams are gonna take on? So for them, it's um, up to each of the managers, uh, whether they wanna be fully remote, fully in the office or hybrid mix. And we've worked with them to implement the right technology so that they can pull that off without sacrificing um, the ability for for either you know either model to collaborate with their counterparts. Um, and and I think where we're going to see advantages to that slow and steady pace is in terms of employee retention. Right. And the, the organizations that are quick to to mandate a return to the office, I think that could have worked maybe two three years ago. Um, in a different labor market, but now you're you're up against every other manufacturer that is yeah. looking for to fill that role that is open to hiring someone who doesn't live near an office. Um, and so I I'd say that's where we're at. That my long winded answer your simple question. That's where we're at. There's still some ambiguity out there. I think there's there's more um, momentum in one direction or the other, either organizations know, hey, we, we really want to get people back in, it's impacting our culture, or no, we need to focus on on retention, or we need to collaborate with our employees and figure out what, what works best. Um, the wheels are in motion on, on both sides there, uh, and it's really up to each organization to figure out what's going to work best. I will say what I hear, not just in client engagements, but all the all the reading that I do on the topic, when you incorporate employees, 
into yeah. the, making these decisions, it it goes a long way. It goes a long way uh, to generate buy-in and even developing a model that will work for this specific organization. Well, that episode is up in our library. If folks want to check it out, it is how organizations are navigating their return to the office model and what works. And it sounds like looking into your crystal ball for 2023, your conversation with Martin Bodges and Joseph war will resonate. Persisting. That's <laughs> is that right. How do you say it? Persisting <laughs> resonance. Persi Persisting resonance. I like it. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a phrase. So we also hit a common thread with listeners in episode three on defining digital readiness and preparing for successful digital transformation. How have we been helping customers define digital readiness this year? And, and do you see our approach changing in 2023? That's a big, broad I, question. I wouldn't say... Yeah, our approach probably won't change. Um, I went back and listened to this episode because uh, it was an early one. Um, this was the conversation that Jim McLennan and I had around making sure that your organization is set up to take on a digital transformation. It's so easy. Uh, a lot of uh, you know, when we're in the RFP cycle or, or, or a lot of um, organizations reaching out just to figure out, you know, can you help us? Get a get a pulse on this digital transformation thing. Uh, what they're skipping is is looking intrinsically at their organization and making sure they're ready to take it on. And so, and I'm speaking from an advisory perspective, where we're spending our time with clients is making sure that um, they they're set up for success from inventorying skill sets. So let's look at um, the highest priorities within the organization. Let's make sure we have clarity on what that future state's going to look like. Is it um, all from a people process and technology perspective, and then figure out, do we have the right people in the right places? Um, do we have the right capacity to take on the changes we're talking about? Um, and that's often overlooked uh, because you think, you know, as, speaking as a prospective client, I'd be thinking, okay, my partner's going to come in and they're going to, they're going to implement this technology for me, but I'm forgetting I need to be able to staff experts within my organization to help them we need to define, and I'm speaking again as a, a, a client, we need to define our business requirements. We need to work with partners like Hitachi Solutions in defining what is, is valuable to our organization, prioritizing that, and then setting up our people for success in taking on that digital transformation. And which so is, we're trying to push. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, no, I was just saying, which is key, right? Because in working with you know, in my marketing position and working with different practices and also with managed services, we've been speaking a lot about digital transformation in terms of what happens after. I mean, it's not a panacea yeah. for an enterprise's issues, right? It's a step forward into your future state. And that future state does not have a beginning and an end, does it? It's sort of an evolving thing. And so looking into that crystal ball, the digital transformation of today is a step forward to tomorrow and then the next along with your sustainment strategy. I mean, do you think that's been a surprise for business leaders? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if surprise is the right word. I think it's going back to my point around just not, not knowing how to adequately, adequately plan for it. 
Um, those are the conversations we're having is how do I know how many people I need to support what was an on-prem ERP to now something in the cloud? Um, who maintains that? What's Microsoft's role in 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 the sustainment of it? Um, how do we coach people uh, to, to be good product owners so that we can continuously improve it? Uh, those are things that I think they're they're kind of in, uh, especially IT buyers. They're in their in their purview, but they they need some help to to really frame it out. They need experts that have been there before that can can help inform them of what it's going to take to sustain um, all of the technology that that's to come. That makes sense, and that's actually a good bridge into episode six, which was super popular. When it comes to digital strategy, should you stay the course or remain flexible? Is it is it the flexibility part that we've just been talking about? A uh, yeah, little a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think to me, what resonates in that episode is it's going back again to a lot of the clients that we work with where they're trying to refine or, or even define their organizational strategy um, and, and, and not feeling like they're locked into it once once it's established. Uh, I'm it, It's making me think back to a conversation I re recently had with um, a CIO that had been, it's a, a very large manufacturing organization, um, a global manufacturing organization. And um, he had been telling me, you know, we don't have we don't have anything standardized. We don't have any of our processes documented. Um, teams across the organization have adopted their own technologies and platforms, and my team's supposed to support that. And so uh, a lot of the conversation that, that we've been having is really around um, establishing that initial strategy. So where is the organization going? Put the technology on pause. What is the technology, sorry, where is the organization going in the next one, three, five years? Um, what's the competition doing? What are our strategic pillars that are going to help us remain vigilant in our marketplace that are going to help us help us remain competitive and then backing into the technology strategy there? Um, and it it does seem like a lot of organizations, they just they're very entrepreneurial. Things have especially in the past couple of years, they've been happening so fast that you have to sometimes band yeah. things together. And I'm really talking about sometimes technology and process, um, little tweaks that that can just keep the business going at a really fast pace. Um, and, and then all of a sudden we realize, and this is going back to the flexibility, we've ended up with all these fragmented processes, all these fragmented systems. People have a lot of tribal knowledge. So there's, you know, Joe and this team really understands how he does his job and how his team executes, but he has no idea how finance incorporates into his process. And you lose clarity across the organization because everyone's just been running so hard and, and kind of in their own separate ways. Huddled in. And so, Yeah. So the need in the, the theme around that episode is is really reflecting the need to to pause and think strategically, go back to your organization strategy, make sure you're clear on where you're going as an organization, layer in the digital component, the digital strategy, but then be open to it changing as new technology and new market trends emerge. And so Martin um, Bogus and John Lawhead, they, they helped talk me through that a little bit. Um, they have a lot of conversations every day with leaders across many different industries. Um, and we're able to provide a lot of clarity of, of what they're hearing as well. And so I think if for people that are kind of listening to this episode, trying to figure out which which episodes they want to go back to, that's a really strong one, particularly now as things are not slowing down, but um, organizations are getting a little breathing room. 
Well, organically, it is you, your delivery just now is is a super great segue into kind of the end of the year when people get a little philosophical, looking back, looking ahead, and looking ahead to season two of exchanges. We've been talking a lot about how we work with our customers journeying through their data process and bringing their data into visibility in and in a secure way in all the ways that organizations need it today and the speed that they need to do it. So we've we've talked about we have data science, data and analytics, um, we have low code, we have pro code, and and they all integrate their by themselves could be their own consultancy, but they integrate depending on what a customer needs. So we've talked a lot about bringing Greg Gant in for a, a talk on budgeting, even though it's the end of the calendar year isn't necessarily the end of a business fiscal year, but it's a good time to reflect and take pause, right? Yeah. I What I'm, I think is going to be really impactful as we weave data into a lot of the discussions we're going to have next year is it is becoming more and more apparent that data truly is a currency and at the very least it's one of the most precious assets an organization has and going back to recurring themes of of conversations that we have with our clients it's very apparent that um, many organizations and we're probably at equally at fault uh, for this many organizations don't they don't realize the potential value you can get from the data that you have. And so similar to digital strategy with your data strategy, the need to go back and kind of revisit um, how you establish governance around your data, make sure it's clean, uh, make sure you've got the right infrastructure and tools set up to, to glean insights from it. There's just so much value in making sure you've got your data strategy right. In in the next season, I think we're going to find a lot of opportunities to pull that conversation into a wide range of topics because data really hits on on everything that we do, particularly yeah, at Hitachi to Solutions. Yeah, yeah, real time data. Looking forward to it. Hot topics. Well, I we're going to be bright, brief, and gone today because what we really would like for our listeners to do is check out some of those episodes that you may have missed or maybe even re-listen to some that you caught and share them out uh, with your cohorts. And and I've noticed we're in a tomato-tomato position here, Dave. You say data and data. I say data. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, on that note, thank you for listening to this, our final episode number 20 of season one of Hitachi Solutions Exchanges. Check us out at global.hitachisolutions.com. We have a library of all of our episodes in our insight bar, and you'll find them all there. I hope that you check them out during this holiday season and come back to listen in on season two beginning in January 2023. Meanwhile, I hope you have a safe and restful holiday season. Dave, it's been a pleasure working with you on this first season episode. Yeah, I I hope season one, episode 20. We made it. Yes, we made it. And I I think the way this went, 
we need to have more Laurel in our podcast. So <laughs> I don't know about figure, that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> let's figure out how to, how to weave more Laurel into it. Thank you for okay. uh, leading us through this conversation. My pleasure. Have a good one. <laughs> Take care. We are Hitachi Solutions, a global team of innovators who support our customers' data and business system modernization initiatives.